When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, so we're in. We have been let down by yet another Toronto sports team. Let's recap 2023 Toronto sports playoffs. We'll even, you know what? We get to group in a different team too. Toronto FC was depressing as hell this season. So they get to get lumped into this one. So congratulations to Toronto CM being relevant in this chat for the first time ever. We had the Raptors blow a lead in the play in whatever garbage that was. They sucked and they were depressing. We had the Leafs fall to the Panthers, which they should have beat the Panthers. Let's be honest there. Like they they had a lot more talent than them. That was we lost to Mark Stahl. Played 20 minutes a game. Are you kidding me? Um and now we had we get to add to this trio of miserability and nonsense and garbage with this Toronto Blue Jays team, those sad sacks of shit. As always, joined by Jason. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Yeah, frustrated, sad, annoyed. I mean, where was Babe Schneider? Like throughout the entire like the two games of the playoffs, he was literally. I don't care if he was bad Revenge. in September. He was one of our best hitters down the stretch. Matt Chapman hasn't been good since like May. I mean, if we're going to talk about people who haven't been performing and that them being the reason that they're not in, like if you look at the other team, I know Royce Lewis was a first overall pick, but he only played 200 at-bats this year. He had like, honestly, a similar OPS. He had a worse OPS than Babe Schneider. He had like the same home run pace as Babe Schneider. Like, Babe had like a little bit of worse average, but still like, listen, obviously comparing those two is bananas, but it's still, it's just like, Listen, just throw the kids in. We, we, okay. Yeah. Anyways, Fuck I'm gonna Stick I'm gonna leave it at that. But yeah, it's Blow just up the Rogers it's Center. Anyways, so frustrated. Yeah. Let's get into it. We have another few regular uh, preseason regulars, preseason games under our belts. We have a few more looks at certain players who impressed us. What uh, What are our thoughts on certain players, and are they going to be able to make the final roster? We'll say that. Um, we also got news that the salary cap is going up, so we'll take a quick, quick look at the roster for next season, um, as well as taking a look at specific players I want to take a look at. New look lines, the Leafs are practicing in Gravenhurst today, so we got some actual line combinations with everyone in one group together as they sent down all of the Marlies players that don't need waivers. I don't think anyone's gone through waivers yet for the Leafs, so we'll talk about those lines. Uh, injuries, obviously, as well. And we're going to finish it off with quickly expectations for the regular season. And then last, 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 we have a special interview with Canadian Olympian and actually gold medalist and silver medalist, 
world champion too, Laura Stacy. Terrific interview with her. But first, Jason, what were your thoughts on when you saw the lines for today in Gravenhurst? Talk we'll, we'll uh, about that one first. Okay, yeah. So I was a little shocked because, as you can see in like my little description right here, Nylander at Sea Truther. I'm a truther. I believe in this, right? I really believe in this. Uh, I think it could work. And really, like, I didn't expect Fraser Minton to, first of all, make this kind of jump this early on in his career. Like, if you look at his numbers, he was kind of, listen, I never watched any game tape of him. So the only thing you can really go off of is, like, his hockey DB. And, like, that's obviously not the best way to go about it. But if we're going to talk about translating to the NHL, usually a solid point producer will be able to translate to the NHL very well. That's what you should be aiming for with those second round picks. And we didn't feel like he was that, right? He was fifth on his team in points. He had a lot of power play points, right? I mean, he was kind of points-wise propped up by the guys around him. But obviously, this is what you miss when you don't get to actually watch him on tape because he might actually have a good, I don't want to say two-way game, but like he might have an NHL-level kind of two-way game at center for, I don't know about right now, but maybe in his future. Like, And he could potentially be a good a shoe in for the bottom six in the near future. I don't know how soon that will be. That could be this year. It could be next year. It could be two years from now. We don't really know. Maybe he needs some AHL reps under his belt. But I think that was the biggest shock. Uh, and we're going to talk to the lines quickly. The first line, as expected. Second line, instead of having Lafferty on that. Say, say the actual line. What was the actual expected line? Of Oh, Bertuzzi, Matthews, Martiner. There you go. Then Domi, Tavares, and then Lafferty, who was normally on that wing. It's Nylander there now, who's off center. And then the third line was Nyes, uh, Minton, Yarncrook, who we will get into later. Fourth line being McCann, Camp, Reeves. Happy to see McCann. Sorry, McMahon. Happy to see McMahon back. Good to see you there. I mean, that was the biggest shock, though, the switch up at sea and then seeing Yarncrook healthy. I mean, the extras, Robertson, Lafferty, Gregor, Holmberg, Clifford. It seems like those are the guys who are going to be in the mix here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they think like this guy has improved a lot in camp and has shown them good things. So let's give him the opportunity to come with the team and like, reward him for looking good in camp and, and excelling and, and doing all the things that the team has asked him to do. I just still doubt that he sticks. And I think this is more of a nine game sample. Yeah. I think this is like more of a, yeah. Like just, I don't even know if you, I honestly don't even know if he'll play this season for us, but yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, so there are two more preseason games occurring Thursday and Saturday before the first game in Montreal on Wednesday there. I do like what you were saying in terms of his two-way game, I would say has been much more impressive than I thought. I thought maybe like he doesn't have the big, like the physical kind of skills. Mm -hmm. And last season, to your point regarding the hockey DB scouting, which is not always the best way to do it. (laughs) I was looking, I would look a little slightly, slightly bit deeper, but his even strength points were horrible. Like his even strength points per game were terrible. It was a lot coming off of the power play. But what I saw with him was he was creating a ton of turnovers. I mean, his assist on, I think it was Friday, where he stripped the puck um, on the penalty kill, got it to Matthew Nyes. Matthew Nyes was able to score. Beautiful stuff right there. Finishes every hit as well. Sheldon Keefe, I believe, was very happy with the way that he was matching up against uh, some of Montreal's top guys too. So that was impressive to see there. I mean, it seems like they're giving him more of a look than, than what they would Holmberg. Holmberg mm-hmm. was decent too. I think I saw, I saw some of the similar things between Holmberg and Minton 
which was interesting to see. I will say this. I think a lot of like, the production and the scoring chances were the direct result of being paired with Matthew Nyes, though. Matthew Nyes has been very impressive this training camp, um, and I would like it if they were to dial back his minutes in preseason a little bit so we're mm. not running him ragged before the regular season starts. Yeah, So, and I want to touch on your point quickly uh there um the minton at sea thing like with with holmberg is what i wanted to touch on here and i think like obviously again i'm not i i do not want to i almost don't even want to react to preseason because it's so such a small sample and it's like a horrible sample because again a lot of the guys they're playing are not nhl level but like at the very least holmberg has or sorry minton compared to holmberg mind you again this i'm comparing minton to holmberg when Hol- I'm, I'm thinking of Holmberg's games at the NHL level when he played last year. That's what I'm trying to get at okay. here. But Minton has looked more responsible and less, I don't want to say, like, I guess, catastrophic with the puck in his own zone compared to Holmberg when he was playing Gosh. with the Leafs. And I think that was the biggest crux of Holmberg not sticking with the Leafs last year. He wasn't as responsible as we'd like him to be and felt like he needed to be, which is kind of why he got sent down, even though he was producing points and scoring for us, right? So, like, I think that's their goal is someone who is either elite offensively and William Nylander on that 3C role where you can just absolutely hound them or or it's someone who you can rely on, on in that 3C to not be as catastrophic as a guy like Pontus Holmberg. So again, I still am doubtful that we're going to see him at all in the NHL season. Maybe, yeah. like you said, nine-game sample. I, don't, I, I would put, again, the chance of him playing more than nine games is literally less than 1%. That's what I would put it at. Maybe maybe I'm wrong for saying that, though. Maybe, if, maybe a couple games. I don't know. They, they're keeping him pretty late. They are also keeping Easton Cowan. I think he's going to play the, the remaining two preseason games, but more, 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 more than likely he is going back to London because he yeah. was not on the Gravenhurst trip, which, yes. I mean, if he was, then, okay, it's slightly pushing towards maybe he'll, he'll get a game, but it's almost 99% that he's going back to London there. Well, but still, Easton Cowan was very impressive. Saturday, I think I clipped three fantastic chances from him so still doing some great things with the puck still showing off some skill and some speed um so it's just it's very encouraging to see from easton cowan again he's probably it more likely than not he's probably going back to london next year as well let's get real that's that's just how the prospect development curve goes if he was from the ncaa then we'd see him probably more we'd see him way more games next year uh, as he'd be, as there's a chance he'd be playing in the AHL, but just the way that the CHL NHL agreement works, he's going more than likely going to be back with the London Knights. But yeah, Fraser Minton has been like, in terms of my expectation versus what he's been, he's been leaps and bounds above what I thought he would be. So. Yeah, and quickly on that Cowan thing, like I, I honestly. I agree with you, but if if Minton is on the team this year and plays more than nine games, it actually sticks. I think I would completely rethink what we're going to have with Cowan and the potential of him making the roster next year because I think that will show a drastic shift in philosophy with this team. We're not there yet. Don't want to overreact to preseason. I'm not going to make any profound claims until we hit game one and we see the lineup and we see the roster and how things shake out after waivers, all that stuff. But I mean... That would signal. We're already teetering towards a big shift, it seems like, in philosophy with how we want to promote our young guys within. But that would be almost massive. That would be massive. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I'm, ha- I'm Listen, I'm happy with the new lines. I'm happy we're trying stuff out. I just, 
Wait, other side. Go back to Nylander at sea. Go back to Nylander at sea. What do you mean? I want Nylander at center. I just want. I'm oh, happy with the lines, but lines? let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back. Yeah. He actually last game William Nylander. So on his assist on Max Domi's goal, this is a meaningless game that they blew. I'm not. There's one part that I want to talk a little bit about, but it has nothing to do with actual hockey. But he made a good play at the at, at center at uh, in the neutral zone to to create that turnover to go the other way, and then he had a great back check where I uh, completed the back check, knocked the puck away. Like defense, uh, like catastrophe over kind of thing, and it's a play where usually you see him kind of let up and not and stop his skating. I mean, I sent it in our group the the play where there was the in the first game of the regular season where they were the the, the Sens were able to get a good chance because he stopped skating at center ice, kept his feet moving, showed that he's a little bit more defensively responsible, but. In the end, it seems like they're moving him back to the wing. I mean, I don't understand why you would have another training camp practice with a guy that didn't really play any center, played two games at center last year, and you're moving him back to the wing now. I mean, it seems like a good amount of wasted time, in my opinion. So, unfortunate. Or maybe they just saw that, hey, John Tavares is nowhere near as effective, and he's just going to be a non-factor at 5-on-5, which we cannot have if Nylander is not on his wing. And I mean, also to continue on, to keep keep the rambling going, we had Corey Schneider on. What did he say? Hey, John Tavares does good, uh, a lot of good things in small areas, in the corners, in front of the net. Maybe he meshes well with Max Domi. And that's, they have that combination together. So maybe if one of them attempts to learn how to play defense, then it'll be good. Or maybe they just wanted all of those defensively moronic guys all together so then you could shelter them and hopefully, uh, you know, put the bigger load on another line. Yeah, it's a, it's a philosophy thing. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, before we move on yeah. to our next topic, which would be the injuries that we saw and kind of why the D look mm-hmm. a little different right now, I want to quickly tell you guys about our sponsors over at DraftKings. We're back for another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action. With great offers every single game day, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw $5 down on any of this week's matchups to walk away with an instant winner. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this October. So football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available from problem gambling. Call one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensed partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuances. Eligibility and deposit restrictions may apply here. So, there's a little bit of a different look on defense because we have two players hurt. One of them being John Klingberg, who's supposed to be hurt very short term. 
right? Day to day. And the other one being Timmons, who looks to be week to week, which is probably why, maybe speculating here, why we saw Yarn Crook draw in on forward, who is also supposed to be air quotes hurt. Neck I mean, they said he took a hit, hit in camp and injured his neck. Now he's fine. The, <laughs> the, the, the day that Connor Timmons is out week to week, he's now fine. It's very interesting. Anyways, uh, I mean, sad to see Timmons get hurt because I thought he was playing very well this preseason. Yes. I always kind of, la- even last year, we were kind of talking about how maybe he might have potential on this roster. And it, he's, he's earned his spot. I think he's earned his spot to at least be with the team when he's healthy right now. Uh, and I'm curious to see him play some NHL games for this team. Do you want you wanted to talk about Timmons though shortly? Yeah, I, I had some notes on him. I mean, in his, I think it was his last game that he played. I was watching the fr- the game from Friday. Even there, I don't think he found the score sheet, but he had more than a few chances again. And that's every single preseason game he has had the ability to generate chances. I understand it's preseason. He's playing against. The Montreal Canadiens not full A squad, which is going to be one of the worst NHL teams in the league. I understand that. But we're still seeing some great plays where he's jumping up into the rush. He's getting pucks through from the point. And these were my good notes on him. He's very smooth in terms of his puck handling and his skating. He's passing. He passes the puck well in transition and in the offensive zone. Offensive zone, I love how he draws in. Does, does a great ability of drawing in the defender and then dishing the puck. A little bit of deception on that, which is always very nice. His shooting from the point is good. He's able to get his point shots through. Um, The issues that I'm seeing with him, we saw it last year. If you remember the Boston game where he was paired with Riley and it was just a total disaster, I think he made a misread at the blue line. It caused good chance the other way and ended up in the back of the net. We're still seeing his decision-making under pressure falter. And that occurring in the defensive zone under pressure, uh, that being the four check, or even in the neutral zone, when the play is coming the other way, sometimes stops his feet and just tries to hit someone. And then it's just like a two on one the other way when really he should have been backing up beforehand, um, as well as at the opposing team's blue line, just not making that the, the right decision very quickly there. So the decision making is still showing and rearing its ugly head, but I mean, just the transition game and his ability to generate offense has been muy bien. Yeah, that's what we want to see, right? Because I feel like we've been asking for, in the playoffs at least, more offense from our back end. Really, last yeah. year it was only Riley. I mean, Sandin two years, two or three years ago, Giordano a little bit here and there, Muzzin a little bit here and there. But it just feels like we could get a little bit more. And, I mean, if Connor Timmons can shore it up, maybe he might be the guy. We'll see. He's still week to week. I don't. We also yeah. don't know what I, I. I didn't write down the exact injury. Do you know what it is? Is it like groin. a groin injury? That's yeah. That's not good. Um, yeah. That could be a lot longer than week two. That could be like a like a, a month to two months probably. Uh, well, isn't we don't isn't long term like four weeks plus or something like that? I think so. It's so ten plus games and yeah. four weeks plus. Yeah. So it's going to be. I, I could see that happen. It's going to be a long time. So be interesting to see. Um, it's unfortunate I mean, though. Like Frank, yeah. like the kids had in, so many injury issues throughout his whole career. Finds a little bit of his footing in Toronto, gets a good chance in the first line, just up and down and up and down and up and down. You know what? It's another down. Let's see if he can get back up. Exactly. That's a good way to put it here. Uh, you wanted to touch on a couple other guys starting with yeah. let's start with Nick Robertson here and your thoughts of him 
in the preseason. So this so is far. something I forgot to mention beforehand, but there's something I've been marinating on all week, and that's why do certain players perform well in the reg in the preseason and not in the regular season? The number one thing is if a player is a good skater, they're more than likely going to be generating some more offense in the preseason than the regular season. And that's because with that extra step on some other guys, you're able to create that much more space. You're able to create that many more good chances um, than in the regular season. But in the regular season, you're going to have to be thinking a lot more. You're going to have to be moving the puck quicker. Um, Like that space is not going to come such as it did in the preseason. I mean, when you look at it, like Josh Hosang looked fantastic in the preseason a couple of years ago. What happened in the regular season? We watched him. We're like, this guy's totally brainless. So that happened there. Like Noah Gregor has been putting up points, but that's another guy. Like I don't see any outside of the speed. I don't see very many hockey smarts. Like he's not that skilled. He's not really generating, you know, like I, I see the speed. And he is like, I would like him as a 12th forward, but he's lacking some other parts to his game. And to transition into this, so why is Mick Robertson generating 7,000 chances a game and not really doing that in the regular season? Well, here's what I came, here's the, I, I watched a bunch of Nick Robertson. This was the conclusion I came to. His points totals definitely don't match the chance generation this preseason. He's been all over it, posts, great opportunities, good saves, you name it. He's been fleeced more than a couple of times. He had a fantastic goal on Saturday, a little backhand, forehand, how do you do on Montembeau. His shot looks hard, his hands look great, and his skating looks good, his edges and his speed. He's still small, so he's getting knocked around a little bit, but if he gets a little bit of speed, he's throwing his his weight around pretty good. Um, and then he can get himself the puck, but isn't that great at like stripping other players? Uh, and he hasn't been doing as good of a job as like Nyes, Minton, um, even Cowan, I think has been doing a little bit of a better job than him. The issues that I'm seeing in his game, aside from him not being able to stay healthy, 100%, if he stays healthy, he definitely deserves more than a few looks through the regular season, whether that's now or whether that's in 10 games or so, he definitely deserves a look because his physical skills are good. The, the issues with his actual game I'm seeing though, he doesn't think the game fast enough. He doesn't make those decisions and plays quick enough when pressure's on him. Like in tight spaces, he's not really making a play like a bang bang play like he should. He's still stug- struggling to generate chances off the puck, and uh, and he's also struggling to get chances in tight. Like you- you'll see him flare out and then take a one timer. It looks so hard, but. More often than not, actually, his placement on a lot of these quick shots is going straight into the goalie's chest. Like, especially off the one-timer. His aim on the one-timer has been pretty brutal. So, I haven't given up on him at all. I just, he really needs a stroke of luck when it comes to his health. And he needs to start, you know, I know he's small, but he needs to start figuring out ways to get to the net and find space closer to the net as opposed to taking these seemingly fadeaway three-point shots right so yeah that's that's fair um i wonder if that's just like a mental thing where it's like he feels like he needs to like do something right and if at the very least it's creating scoring chances he's okay with it like like forcing it to do something you know instead of yeah, creating shots where it's like where it's like oh i'm gonna come in and then i'm gonna flare out and like 
your momentum's going this way and you're open, but you're, you're kind of leaning back on that shot and it's just going straight into the goalie's chest. And it's like, yeah, you created that chance, but I've seen him do it way too many times where it's like fade away like th- for three. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's weird. Cause his brother has such a disgusting shot and he also has like a good shot too, but his it's brother, just like, though gets to like, gets to the areas areas. Better. You got to find the soft spots. Smarter. And it seems like also he's, Taking more of a role of carrying the puck, whereas Jason Robertson just like doesn't. Yeah. Some, yeah. Rupe hints uh, go get it. So for sure. Um, yeah. I agree but yeah. And then moving on from there, you wanted to talk about Timothy Lilligren? Yeah, I've been impressed with him in terms of his offensive generation in the pre. It's the preseason again, but he's he's been pretty good. I mean, we've a lot of people, including myself, liked what he we saw with him with McCabe. Uh, liked what we saw with him over the weekend. Like he's getting shots through from the point. He looks more poised with the puck. His confidence looks good. So, I mean, I've been happy. I've been happy with what we've seen from Timothy Logan. Timothy Logan's an interesting case. Like, what are we? If you give him, like, if he starts the regular season, what are we getting in him? Are we getting the Timothy Logan of mid-season last year, or are we getting Timothy Logan? from the end of the season. Like where's his confidence level at right now? So, and what kind of partner are you giving him? Cause that's also very important. Yeah. And, and from the way that the lines went, it seems like he's going to be almost locked in on that third, right. Mm. Third, third line, right. Uh, yeah. They want to get right Klingberg, I think the top this, four. Yeah. Which is, which I mean, like, Hey, that's, that's fair, but we do want to see those little steps going forward for Logan on him. Lingberg's such improving. a wild card. It's insane. Well, it's again, it's, it's going to be exciting. Hard. It's going to be exciting. Cause uh, if I feel like we haven't had, I like, give me the wild card. And if he flares out and if he shit, like we can just ship him off. It's not that big. Yeah. Of a deal. I'd rather, I'd rather just take a swing and miss than just sure. stand there looking like cat. Cap and Bichio. But anyways, no oh, baseball, oh, no baseball references. Um, let's uh, Brandon belt. Bichio belt. finally got a hit. Brandon. You could, belt you could, you could literally, Say anyone on that roster. <laughs> yeah. Chapman. Like, anyways. Um uh another guy you want to touch on. We touched on him a lot, but like let's just give quick thoughts. Matthew Nyes. I mean, he's just been dominating preseason, but yeah, just give him more dog. of his flowers. Just a dog. What an engine that kid's gone on him. Like the hands and the size on him is fantastic. I would like him to be a little bit more efficient with his size. He's 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 very strong. And he is, he does have the ability just with his upper body, just to like knock guys just by pushing them and like going body to body on them. I would like him to try to go more on the inside hands a little bit, but I mean, throwing body to body and knocking guys over is also very, it's, it's very nice when you can do that. Um, yeah. In terms of what, like we saw last year compared to now, like I think you remember that issue where he was cold in his stick upside down. Yeah. I haven't really seen that at all. So that's been fantastic to see. It's a weird habit. Yeah. Um, I just hope – it seemed like at times he was trying to do a little bit too much. And it was – at times last year we saw he would put himself off balance and put himself in a vulnerable spot to get knocked over. I haven't seen that happen yet, but I've seen some times where I'm like, I don't know if I would have done that extra stick handle there. If you're up against like a bigger boy, he's – you're going to have a tougher time standing, standing up. Like if you're up against Eric Cernak, I don't know if that'll work. Right. So still that's something to watch on, but definitely 
and like also with him, like the points total, I would say from the preseason has been tad inflated. Some of the goals he's scored have been kind of shit. Like, like a wrapper, a, a wraparound, an unimpeded wraparound from from the goalie's blocker hand to his glove, just finds the back of the net. Like that's that should not be happening. It was against yeah. an NHL goalie, but it should not be happening. Yeah, so I mean that's I, also I, where preseason, like Noah Gregor's goal last game was a, was an absolute joke. I don't know how that went in the back of the net. Yeah, but yeah I feel like goalies just kind of kind of go in just to soak pucks and get warmed up. You know, like they don't really try and like. They're not out here just going out of their way to make crazy saves, and like, or at least the ones that have roster well, spots were, locked in. I mean, make a save. I don't know. It, it would be definitely yeah. weird. I, I think a lot. No, goalies definitely do use this as like, uh, like they treat it as seriously as a regular season to get ready. But maybe, anyways, um, yeah. Well, let's uh, for some of them. Let's hope. Matthew Nice is a dog, though. I'm so yeah. excited for him. That's that's such a juice to the lineup. You have no idea. Well, you yeah, do, with- but. <laughs> No, with with one dog going from one dog, excuse me, to another, Ryan Reeves. Uh, Ryan Reeves. So I, I wanted to get what were your thoughts on the Ryan Reeves signing? Like, do yes or no? Do we need Ryan Reeves in the lineup? I don't know. Honestly, I could I couldn't like sure like why not? If he's if he's competent bottom bottom six player, why not? If he's not he a though? negative, then yes. I I'm not I, I'm not going to make any wide claims until i see season games until i see game actual games that matter i'm not going to make any of these any bold proclamations i've been burned by it before so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna i'm gonna stay neutral i didn't hate the re-signing i know a lot of people did i'm not I mean, loving it i mean I'm hey not if- loving it at all i understand the character he's the boogeyman nobody wants to mess with him out there the character that he brings in the room and just like, you know, I don't know. He is what you need in the room. My issue is just like, if you're going to put him with David camp, is David camp going to be able to absorb heavy defensive minutes? Now Ryan Reeves can't get the puck out. Yeah. That's a unless problem. He's shipping it out to ice it. That's yeah. an issue right there. Like he, his play is just not to the level that you want a defensive fourth line. Like, like last year we tried to even theorize of, uh, what was his name? Abe Kubel and Aston Reese. And that was a total disaster. Didn't work. Didn't work. But like, I feel like Ryan Reeves is a step down from that. Like, I don't understand I the defensive utilization of David camp and then putting him with Ryan Reeves. I don't see that in theory working there. Number well, one. Number two, there was a play at the end. I was near the end of the second period in that game against Montreal. Uh, Timothy Logren smoked uh, Logan Mayu. It was a beautiful hit. It yes. was lovely to see him. Mayu tried to fight him, and yes. Timothy Logren yes. laughed at him. That was yeah. awesome to see. That's the character you need in the line. That was clean too, by the way. Like oh, no, oh yeah, yeah, it was clean. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Keep on. So clean. I took out my cell phone, took a picture of it, and sent it to Logan. Uh, that was a terrible joke, but anyways, um, then it, the play went the other way and it was a stoppage and Nick Robertson got pissed off and he gave Jack eye a, a hack, a two handed hack. It was lovely. Um, not legal, but it was lovely. And there was a scrum on the ice, right? Domi got, you know, Domi's five foot nine. So he got taken out right away. It was funny cause he was looking to fight someone and then Gallagher came in front of him. 
And I don't know if it was like uh, Gallagher's my buddy. He's a vet. I don't want to fight him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or if it was potentially like Brennan Gallagher's from out West. He's a maniac. This guy chews cement for breakfast. I would get my lunch fed to me if I tried to do anything near him. But then the camera panned to Ryan Reeves. Where was Ryan Reeves? On the bench. If that same situation happened, it's Austin Matthews, whoever out there. Ryan Reeves is still going to be on the bench. What's he going to enforce there? Did he, he didn't do any. I understand it's preseason. He did yeah. nothing the rest of the game. He didn't beat anyone up. Probably threw a couple of hits. But nothing happened the rest of the game. Right? Like, I, I just don't see it. I, I it's, it's a spot that, like... If Ryan Reeves is playing in the playoffs, I think that's a total mistake. And a lot of people in Minnesota will agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's very fair. Um, but I feel like Ryan Reeves is like... Get ready for it. There's going to be a scrum on the ice. They're going to pan to Ryan Reeves and he's going to be on the bench. And it's like, what the hell? Like, okay, awesome. We had the same situation with Simmons last year. Even if there's a situation happening on the ice, the refs are going to pull Ryan Reeves away. Didn't we see that with Simmons? Yes, that's true, but I'd argue that well, Simmons Simmons is younger than Reeves, which is crazy to think about. But also Ryan oh. Ryan Reeves, to be fair to him, his age his sorry, his game has aged a lot more gracefully than Wayne Simmons' game. So I'll give him a little bit more credence for that. Um, and then I don't know. I just feel like the Reeves is like the the fuck around find find out graph, you know, fuck around sure. find out. Dun, dun, right. So. Um, I mean, listen. It, just, I, it gave I, me the like the heebie-jeebies. I saw it. I, I had I, just been laying off the Ryan Reeves takes all year, and then I saw that, and I was like, "This guy's on the bench." Ask David Clarkson how effective jumping off the bench is going to be here. Like, I, I'm not like, too worried about frustrated it. Frustrated me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I, I feel like again, like he's only going to play like five to eight minutes max a game. So it's like, let's not. How like again? If those if those minutes lose us games fine sit his ass but if it's not losing his games it's fine uh because i i also feel like he'll probably sit for some defensive zone shifts he'll probably sit for some offensive zone shifts every time david camp goes over the board i don't think it's always going to be ryan reese stapled to his wing that's what i think i might be wrong here but um yeah i could see that um yeah it was, just, it was concerning i was like fair enough i don't know well, you, you, i think the best utilization well actually is it like a speed guy next to David Camp. The issue is our speed we've, guy, we've been Sam through, Lafferty, we've, is dumb been, as hell. We've been through so many of those guys before, and it's just never worked. It's literally no. never, ever, ever worked. And we do no. have speed, like and Nicholas Abe Kubel and... Not a speed guy. He was a nothing guy. Well, that's the problem. All these guys are nothing guys. If they're good enough... If they're speed, was a speed guy. Yeah, he was on our third line. So again, it's Take like we've... 21 sheets. Yeah, that's true. That that's was, true. That's crazy. But... At the very least, it's not like if Reeves plays, we have no one behind him, right? Like, again, looking at our extras, we have, like, Nick Robertson, Sam Lafferty, Pontus Holmberg, Bobby McMahon, right? Those guys can all come in and play. And, again, I don't hate, like, having these roster spots filled during the season. And then come trade deadline, we get a winger, we get a center, and they play instead of these guys. And the other guys sit. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm full. That's part of the evolution of, like a team throughout the season. So like you need guys to play 65 games for you before the, the trade deadline though. And is Reeves the worst guy to do that? I don't think he is. No, like, but I, I can see your concerns. Uh, I just yeah. want to play. I just want to play devil's advocate there. 
It was, it was, I don't know. Fair enough. Anyways, like you can argue, okay, but Tampa had Corey Perry, Pat Maroon on the fourth line. Those guys can't skate. Somehow they were effective. They made it to a Stanley Cup final, but they had like, they had Belmar in the middle and Belmar was only making like 750 minimum league minimum. Like we have a fourth liner taking care of two grit guys making two and a half or whatever. I don't know. I was yeah. just like, looked at it. I'm like, Hmm, something's off. Something's fishy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. Fair enough. Anyone else you want to touch on? Uh, Miko Kakinen uh, was definitely more impressive than I thought. I think last year he played with the Marlies, but he also got sent to the coast last year. Like, which it, when coming into camp after seeing that, I was like, okay, I have zero expectations. This could easily, easily result in a terminated contract similar to, I forget his name last year. That's how irrelevant he was. Um, but he performed really well. He play, played well at the, the um, what's it called? the prospect tournament, which I'm like, okay, you're on the older end. Who cares? But mm-hmm. then in the preseason has been playing pretty well. I mean, over the weekend or his game on Friday, I thought he was pretty, pretty impressive there, made some great plays. Um, and then last game, some more pretty good plays here and there. I understand. I think it was the, the third goal went off of him in him, which was unfortunate, but he was getting physical. He moves decently, he handles the puck. Okay. Um, he knows he, at times he chases a little bit too much in the defensive zone, uh, gets a little over aggressive, but I like how he jumps up in the play too. had a couple decent chances. I will say against Montreal it, uh, again, no temper expectations. He played under 14 minutes against m- not a full Montreal team. So take it for what it is. But I was like, okay, this is a lot better than I expected from Miko Kokkinen. So They'll probably go back down to the Marlies and hopefully play a full season there and maybe get a game or two. I'm not too sure, but was was definitely more impressive relative to my expectations. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really notice much Miko Cockton, so I won't comment on that. I'll leave that to you. You had to laser um, in on him. That was the thing. Like a yeah, couple fair. chances, it was like he walks in from the, like he joins, he loves to join the rush, which at times it's like, dude, like you can't be above the puck like that. There's no one behind mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. But in times when joining the rush, he, he he had a good pass that was broken up, unfortunately. There was another play. He was backdoor for a, a, a one-timer that just skipped over his stick. Like, it was a couple plays. Where I was like, uh, And then a couple keep-ins that were pretty nice, too. I was like, damn, like, if this guy can be like a, get to a Jalen Chatfield level, like, that's not the worst thing on earth. Jalen Chatfield's okay, contrary to what I've said about him in the past. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. Um, last thing before we throw to the interview, quick expectation for the entire team. Let's say like points and like expectations for you for this team for the regular season. What do you expect? So now Vasilevsky's out. Vasilevsky's out for eight to ten weeks. That's massive. Johansson actually has back-to-back shoutouts in the preseason. Again, it's preseason. Have to throw that out there, but it's kind of crazy to see, like, what the hell? This guy Bananas. couldn't stop a beach ball a couple of years ago. But, yeah. As I said, he has good assets to his game. Just the issue was I found in the NHL, he couldn't keep his feet set, so he was off kilter. Off, he wasn't wasn't getting square as a result. Um, wasn't keeping center, I suppose, as well. So 
there was an issue. I mean, with goaltending, it's weird. Like just the smallest touch. You don't have to get bigger. You don't have to get faster. If you touch up the smallest things in your game and you're mindful of them, it can make the biggest difference. So I'm curious to see how that works down there. But they have Johansson, and that's it. So naturally, everyone's been connecting the dots. Who's a goalie that's likely supposed to be the third goalie that played NHL games last year? The only one really seems to be Martin Jones, who's been solid for the Leafs this preseason, which is exactly what you want to see. I mean, I hope he sneaks through because I don't think the Leafs have, like, I I don't want any of the other guys playing NHL games this year. I, I don't think they're anywhere close to being ready. So the Leafs are in a bit of conundrum there. Do they try to hold on to him? I don't know if the cap, with the cap, they're going to be able to. Do they try to get something out of him and trade him to San, uh, to Tampa Bay? But it's kind of looking like Tampa Bay is probably going to take him because they need another goalie. Like they don't, they have Matt Tompkins and someone else down there, which I I don't I wouldn't be. I don't know if I'd want to go. Johansson and Matt Tompkins, right? Yeah. So just quickly doing the math here, I want to say, can we hold? No, we can't. Okay. Yeah. It, it might be tough for us to hold these three players here with Timmons on LTIR because he's not worth as much to the LTIR with, with mm-hmm. only that 1.1 mil here. I mean, I. I thought with injuries, we'd probably just be able to keep them. I think if I'm Tampa and I'm worried about this stuff, I would just trade for him. Like if I really wanted him. Yeah. Because what would you get for him? Like a six? Fifth, Above sixth. a seven. Yeah. Like a, a pick. A pick. Like the, pick, yeah. a, the thing is, realistically, though, two. I'd actually take two sevenths over a sixth. I don't know if that, that's stupid, but I think. The more darts you can have at, to throw at the board, the better. Um, sure. <laughs> so, because I feel like once you get five, six, seven, it's all this. It's all generally the same. You're everyone's basically. Yeah. Everyone has their own board of a hundred players, and no one has yeah. like a consensus no. board. So it's not like you know. Anyways. So you're a hundred percent correct on this. And the story that I know what happened with one player was that Stefano Pizzetta in his draft year was not ranked anywhere. He was like, what is there? There's seven rounds. At the time, there was 30 teams, maybe 31, I don't know. So 237 picks. He was ranked like 250 or whatever, and he went in the sixth round. I don't think Montreal had a seventh, but he went in the sixth. So Mm -hmm. way, way earlier than what he was general consensus ranked. I don't even think he didn't have 30 points in his draft year. So exactly. It gets so, so murky in those later rounds. Yeah, yeah. So only so many draft picks, but yeah. Anyway, so what are your expectations then for this team, like closing out the year, season wise, with the with the knowledge of Tampa, with the knowledge of Boston Bruins arguably regressing or not regressing, getting worse, yeah. right? You lose Patrice Bergeron, Florida starting the year with so many injured guys in our division. I mean, the East seems wide open. Feels like every couple of years, it feels like there's the powerhouses, and they kind of have their reign, their ascent. They stay at the top and then they trickle down. And I feel like we're on the downward trajectory now. We're going to see kind of like a, a dynamic shift of who's in the playoffs and who's not. So like, what are your expectations for this team heading into the playoffs? Um, 100, or, you have to win right. the Atlantic. 
Yeah. I think you're winning the Atlantic this year. That should should be the expectation. I mean, like last year you were fighting with Tampa and Boston. Tampa obviously fell off towards the second half of the year and you were able to take over that spot. Boston just went on a historic regular season run. Um, and then something happened in the playoffs. Womp womp. Um, like I, I feel like Boston's forward, like who do they have at center? They have like three third line centers right now. They don't have a second or a first line center. They've tried Charlie Coyle at 2C and it did not work. So yeah. like now that's that's gonna be a real tough sledding for them. But they could sleep they could sneak in. They have a very good defense, of course. Nothing's really changed there. So we'll see what happens there. But I think the Leafs cleared them in terms of that. You're then going to be competing with like uh, Ottawa, I think, is a lot better. Uh, Ottawa's got a good team, especially if their goalies don't discombobulate or like disintegrate like they did last year. Uh, like I like Corpusalo and Anton Forsberg is pretty, he's a pretty solid goalie too. The issue with them, like Jacob Chikrin's track record in terms of his health is not good. Mm-hmm. Thomas Shabbat is a good player. We'll see there. Like the rest of the D I think are, are pretty good. The big thing also with them is they don't have Pinto signed and Dr- Josh Norris didn't practice today. I don't know how, how, I don't know what's going on with him. So that's something to circle right there. But yeah, Ottawa, I think will be competitive there. That'll be interesting. Florida, like, just out of spite, I almost want to put them out of the playoffs, but I don't know if they make it. Because then on the other, the, the Metro has some very good teams there yep. too when you look at it. The Metro is yep. going to be an absolute dogfight. Yep. Islanders yep. made the team last It made the playoffs last year. They still have Sorokin and a pretty solid decor. I like, and then I don't know what the rest, the forwards are all so mid, so I don't know what happens there. But like New Jersey looks phenomenal. Uh, the Rangers are going to be competitive. How competitive? We'll see. I mean, they didn't really add much in the odd. They added Blake Wheeler, but we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Um, there seems I'm missing for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we, we don't have to touch on every team. We're we're like I'm just but more yeah, so anyways. I'm so more so hearing your thoughts on the Leafs here. I mean, their point total at DraftKings is 106 and a half, which would be like. Is that 50 wins, assuming you're getting like what three? I think it's like 50 wins with six OT losses, uh, or 53 wins, whatever, however you want to do it. Yeah, okay. For for me, um, and Dom Lassushin has them at 104.5 points, 91% to make the playoffs, and nine percent to make the Stanley Cup. Or sorry, yeah. to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, well, I hey, I mean. With the least bias included in that model, that doesn't look too good for us because we're yeah. usually around the 20 range. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, point total I see is at 106.5 for the Leafs here. And I honestly, maybe this is bold, maybe this is stupid, maybe this is crazy, but I want this team to get 57 wins minimum this year. And I know that's a lot. We've hit 54 before. We got 50 last year. It's doable. Injuries are a factor. But I think with the amount of forward depth we have on this team and depending on how waivers shake out our defensive depth, I think this team is good enough and has enough quality that they could, again, compare it to their peers with what they've lost within the division. I mean, it feels like they've, they're they the only team that hasn't lost a ton of players from the start of last season, right? Like if we're, if we're comparing from the start of last season, they're the only team that hasn't lost many players, really. And the players they have lost are... 
exactly. The, the players they lost were like net neutrals or net negatives to them. And I think no. Michael Bunting's a, a other than Michael Bunting, a decent loss, Mike. but you got Tyler Bertuzzi. Exactly. So, so you were able and to Tyler Bertuzzi. In- I've seen a lot of disrespect on Twitter in terms of, I, ah, this is just Nick Ritchie with Matthews and Marner. No, no, it hasn't. That's crazy. Matthews and Marner have missed five open nets. I'm not shitting you five open nets this preseason. It's been insane. They've been zip, zip, zip. And then puck flip, flips over their stick. So I, I, I have some high expectations for them. Someone brought up something interesting, which is my last thing. He was saying, I don't know who they are, where they were, but they were saying that Matthews, Marner, uh, Bertuzzi has to be like a 65% expected goals for, for it to be worth it because of how they're taking away from the rest of the lines, which I thought was interesting because 65 is around the actual percentage of expected goals for that Matthews, Marner, Bunting was uh, not last season, but the season before. Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts on that? Quick. I don't know. I mean, expected goals. I obviously value and I think are very important. I think the most important thing is that this is without a doubt the most dominant line in the NHL. That's what I think is more important. And maybe, hey, sixty-five expect sixty-five percent expected goals. That's the right path. But we need also some actual goals. We need some conversions on those expected goals, which is important. Which I think this team, will, which I think they'll do for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah I I think that's like a like setting that as like a number is just kind of weird. Like it's, I don't know, you know. Um, I think so. it would follow with at least sixty three percent goals for percentage. Yeah, right? probably. Well, yeah. In theory, it should. So that's why that's how expected goals works, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I my expectations for this team sky high. I mean, it should be. It should be. So we'll see. If not. Whatever. I'm just excited to get the season started. So uh, you want to throw the interview? Yep. Let's see it. Let's throw it to the interview. Laura Stacy. We're in. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Bonus episode today. Joined today by Laura Stacy, Canadian Olympian. Um, actually, it's just a hell of a hockey resume here. I got I had to write it down. It's so it's so long here. Under 18 gold. Two-time world championship gold, one-time Olympic gold, uh, one-time world championship silver, one-time world under-18 silver, one-time Olympic gold silver, one-time world championship bronze, and is this correct here, a CWHL championship as well with the Markham Thunder? Yeah. Laura, thank you for joining the show today. How is it going? Thanks for having me. It's going great. Nice fall day, that's for sure. Oh yes, it's twenty up, twenty eight up here in Toronto. Just insane yeah. for. October I know it's crazy. I know. Crazy, but I love it. Yeah, hopefully it extends. We get a nice long. We get a few extra weeks of golf in here before <laughs> uh, before the season kicks off. Um, so I wanted to start today's show. I wanted to. I was very very curious. You went from four years at Dartmouth, a exceptional NCAA career there. And then you went into the CWHL as well as you were playing on the world championship team for Team Canada. I wanted to get your perspective on what was the biggest differences in the game that you saw transitioning from the NCAA to the world championship as well as the pro ranks? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you're in college, you're surrounded by all the resources at your fingertips. Your teammates are living with you. Uh, you have tutors, you have skill sessions, you have all of these 
um, amazing resources, especially as female athletes at your fingertips. And when, when you graduate, when you turn pro in a sense, uh, especially at, at the part of where pro hockey was uh, as a female when I graduated over six years ago, um, it was now all of a sudden you had so much time and you had to figure out your priorities and where you were going to spend all that extra time because you didn't have that school and the social life and all those things. You now just had to focus on, on professional hockey. And so I, I would say that was definitely one of the biggest differences is, is now the responsibility is all on you. You don't necessarily have all those people saying you have to be here, you go here, trainings at this time, uh, shooting lessons are at this time. It's now, what do you want? How good do you want to be? Where are you going to allocate your time? How are you going to get better? So I would say that was definitely the biggest difference I got to learn is uh, now it's on me. I need to sleep sleep well. I need to to meal prep so that I can be ready for the games and practices and, and, and all those different things. Obviously, in terms of hockey and on ice and, and the game that way, uh, it's another level. I think uh, as you kind of go up the ranks, you make it to the national team, you, you turn pro, every single level, there's that jump uh, in, in speed, in decision making. Uh, and honestly, I think just the biggest difference is now every single player is really, really good. And in college, it was that way too. No, don't get me wrong. But as soon as you start making that national team, as soon as you start getting older, the differences between the players in the lineup and the players just not making it is very, very slim. So mm -hmm. how do you find a way to be a good teammate? How do you find a way to um, have an impact in no matter what role you have. And I think that is a, a significant lesson that you need to learn too when you're moving from, from college to professional hockey or uh, making the jump to the national team. In addition to that kind of question, I want to uh, layer on that a little bit. Did you have like a kind of welcome to the show moment, would you say, when you, you made that tra transition from the NCAA? No, I would say definitely not. I would say our welcome to the show moment is definitely this year right now when we're starting to sign pro contracts when uh, we're, we have a real draft where people are getting drafted mm -hmm. kind of no matter where, no matter what city. When I graduated, it was like, hey, I'm going to live in Toronto. Uh, that's where my parents are from. They can help me pay rent for the time being. And I live in this area. So, hey, Toronto or Markham, can you draft me? And uh, nowadays and today, this very day, the PWHL, that's not what it is. It's uh, it's an integral draft and it's people choosing to make the best possible team that they want to have. And so I think that was seeing that draft, getting to sign in free agency. I think that was the first moment I was like, aha, this is pro. This is what it's like mm -hmm. to, um, to make it, to, to become a pro, uh, to have those resources available at your fingertips, to be surrounded by um, a professional team behind you. And I think that was, it, it's crazy. Obviously in, uh, it's totally different on the national side of things. Uh, every time you show up to a Hockey Canada event, it, it is completely professional. So I think I've had my moments there, but it's totally different when you're just going there for a week, two weeks, a month, and then and then you come home to back to that professional lifestyle and it's and it's not there. So uh, I, I think in general of like that wow moment of women's hockey has made it is definitely more um, mm -hmm. this past month uh, than anything for sure. Yeah, and we got the season starting in January. We're really looking forward to that. Uh, this is a Leafs podcast, but uh, definitely begrudgingly almost going to have to be cheering for our PWHL <laughs> Montreal there. Um, and so in terms of your play style, I did was doing some research the other night there. It seems like a lot of your offensive generation is coming with your speed, like just a very, uh, like a long and fast stride as well as off the one timer there. Was this something that you had to kind of 
carve out yourself and change or is this just always been a natural kind of ability and the natural way that you've been scoring uh, and contributing offensively your entire life? No, I think it's definitely I've had to work on and improve. I think uh, having the opportunity to play on the national team and, and kind of realize the, the impact you can have in no matter what role you have. And I think that's something I've, le- I've really learned along the way. And you kind of mentioned it before, but carving out a career and uh, by, by being a good teammate, having an impact in no matter what role. And I think that's a tough lesson to learn sometimes when you are in the NCAA and things go a lot more smoothly or you're on the first line or you're on the first power play and then you – you make that national team, but but you're not quite in that that same role that you're used to, or the one that you've always wanted to have. And so, um, I think for me, it was that was definitely a learning moment. And how do I produce in this new role? How do I have an impact in this new role? And so, uh, it's it's still a, a process that I'm working on and, and trying to improve on because uh, it isn't easy. And there's also there's always more room for improvement. Of like, hey, this is where I'm at, but how do I keep pushing? How do I keep pushing the team to be better, but also myself to be better? And so. Uh, I think that being that more power forward or being that more tough to play against uh, fast, physical, strong forward is is definitely something that I've um, started to more realize that no matter what role I'm in, whether I play three minutes or 10 minutes a period, whether I play no matter what, no matter how many minutes the entire game, I think uh, if I can be that player and be the player that the, the strengths that I have and uh, use those strengths, then, then no matter what position I'm in, I, I, I can have an impact. And I think that's taken some time to realize and um, definitely have been some ups and downs away, times where it's working, times where it's not. But I think uh, as of late, I, I think I definitely have uh, tried to kind of remain in that present and say, hey, this is what's working. This is my type of hockey. This is my skill sets. And, and uh, no matter where I'm at in a, a lineup, showing up with that fun, energy, hardworking, but also uh, power forward style. And, and I think that's uh, what I want to continue to bring to Montreal and to the national team and uh, hopefully continue to have an impact with it. Is there anyone that you kind of modeled your game after, or was it just something that I know it's such a cliche kind of, kind of <laughs> question and not everyone is, you know, watching clips of another player going, I have to be like this, but was there someone that you kind of modeled your game after, would you say? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I don't really have the answer to that. I think somebody mm-hmm. that I've kind of uh, lately uh, watched more, well, two players, I would say I'm a big Leaf fan too. So back in the day or a couple of years ago, uh, a Zach Hyman style of a player, just oh, hard yeah. in your face, first on the four check, um, gritty, getting pucks out of the corner, but also still trying to attack himself and create mm-hmm. create plays and strong defensively also is an important factor of, of his game. So that's somebody that I definitely watched a lot in Toronto and was like, this is... I really like his style of play. Uh, obviously, there's differences, of course, but I just uh, I, I did really appreciate um, that 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 type of game. Uh, obviously, Josh Anderson in Montreal, that bigger, yeah. power forward, strong, uh, still has quite a lot of speed. Um, that that style of play, I, I obviously uh, look look up to and watch as well. So I would say, obviously, Nathan McKinnon's power and speed is something mm. that I would like just just kill to to have and to keep growing off of because I just he's just impressive to see but uh no I think those other two are 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 definitely guys that I've watched or watched video of or clips of and um even my coaches have sent me clips of of those two players and and how they were successful and how I can kind of Mm -hmm. use similar strengths of mine to be successful in my own way exactly yeah that's I I do see it with Zach Kyman that's a that's a great kind of comparison player there Uh, I wanted to get into a little bit of the Olympic team there. You've been a part of two Olympic teams now. 
which when you say two Olympic teams, it's okay. But then when you put into context that that's eight total years of your life there, that's uh, <laughs> that's a, it's pretty cra- pretty cool, pretty crazy to be a part of such a, a storied team for, for that amount of time. I wanted to get your perspective on what it's been like t- for, for your player development when you get to play and practice with the best players each day in and day out. What, how has that, yeah. that had an impact on your, your play? I think it's huge. And I think uh, obviously when we're in college, we're, we're with and against some great players. And, and you think that, that at the time, you think that's when you're peaking. That's when you're um, going to be your best because you're still young. You still got it. And to be honest, I think I've started to realize that that's not necessarily the case. And when you graduate, you're now, like I said, your, your sole focus is now being the best possible hockey player and person you can be. And so uh, surrounding yourself with those amazing hockey players, those amazing athletes, but also those great people that are going to push you, that are going to challenge you, that are going to pick you up when you're having a tougher day. Uh, I 100% think that's a, a really big part of developing as an athlete and developing as a person. And I think uh, when you're pushed every single day, when you're outside of your comfort zone, when you're showing up to practice and you're constantly going head to head against some of your competition or some of the other best players in the world, uh, you really do see how, where you can where you can learn from. And I think that's another big part of it. Yes, you're pushed. Yes, you're competing. Uh, yes, you're you're working together. But I think you can also learn a lot from other people's games and and use their strengths or use what you see from them uh, and add to your own game. And I think uh, getting the chance to work with uh, some of the best goalies, you can now be like, hey, this is what they're doing when I do this. And, and how do I shift and, and find a way to score goals? And I think that's a really big part of it, too, is how can we learn off one another about what what works, what doesn't, uh, what's going to make me better, what's going to make them better. And then obviously the competition and the pushing each other and, and the battles is um, another level as well. So you mentioned the goalies there. I obviously piqued my interest a little bit. But <laughs> so Anne-Marie Debien uh, is playing on your team in PWHL Montreal. Uh, yourself, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain, and obviously Anne-Marie were the first three players signed to PWHL Montreal. Is have you had conversations with Anne-Marie trying to figure out like what it's like from the goalie's perspective in that sort of sense? Is that what you were mentioning there? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, we, we work with Anne a lot. I think even just in, like, getting to be a part of all their goalie sessions and seeing the way she moves, seeing the way she, um, she challenges certain plays versus others. I think uh, even on the national team, I think we, we work a lot with our goalie coach uh, about different ways to score, what, where, where their goalie's weaknesses are and how do we exploit that. But then on the flip side, it's just, this is what a regular goalie is going to do. This is where they're going to look. This is how they're going to move in this certain scenario. And uh, let's find a way to beat that or do something different so that they don't expect what you're doing. And uh, I think uh, that's been a really big part of, of, uh, one of our upgrades are, are working to get to score more goals on the national team. And I think that that definitely transfers to uh, the Montreal team as well. I'm working with Anne and, and obviously she, she wants to save them, but she also wants to help us uh, score them against mm-hmm. the other goalies too. So uh, I think that's a big part of teamwork is uh, helping each other, growing together and, and pushing each other. Exactly. Yeah. We, we did an episode actually with Jamie Phillips, who was a former pro goaltender, and the whole purpose of the episode was kind of trying to get his reads on certain plays and certain goals to see like where the goalie tripped up and what read he missed on here and there uh, to try to see like how do how can players exploit it. Unfortunately, it was a very niche episode and it really just 
entertain me, but I thought it was <laughs> phenomenal stuff cool. there. Um, so going back to the Olympic teams there, you guys had a warm up that went a little bit viral there. Were you part of that, uh, creating that dance or is that someone else on the team pushing that forward? Yeah, no, I think it, uh, all of us were a part of it, to be honest with you. We had, uh, we were, it was COVID. So a lot of our things or our activities and events leading up to the Olympics were, were pretty tough. And uh, the mm-hmm. leadership group and the coaching staff and, and Hockey Canada in general really tried to find ways to still make it special and t- still team bond. And even though we were stuck in hotel rooms and in quarantine all the time. And uh, one of them, we were allowed to be the 23 of us kind of in a big, big room together. So we all had our masks on and uh, we weren't allowed to bring out in any outsiders, but we were able to Zoom a hip-hop teacher in. Uh, and so the 23 of us were in this room with a big Zoom screen on with a hip-hop teacher. And uh, we were all kind of spread out on this carpet, and we were learning all these different dance moves. And, and that specific dance was one of the dances that we learned with this hip-hop coach. And honestly, I think the hip hop teacher must have been just like cracking up at us because we were so, so bad. Um, <laughs> but we loved it. We had such a good time. And honestly, we would just keep like doing random moves from this song. And then one day uh, at, when we had arrived at the Olympics, we were super late to practice just with everything that was happening. Uh, we had no time to warm up. So our, our trainer, Jer, was like, OK, guys, like we're just going to do our hip hop dance. And we literally turned the music on <laughs> and we literally just busted out and tried to remember everything that we had learned from our hip-hop coach um and it just was hilarious and everybody was just so light and having fun and it was stressful because it was COVID and the olympics Mm -hmm. and people's first time there and whatever the case may be there was so many nerves going and that literally just snapped us into place and had everybody uh like laughing and giggling and it just really settled us down and so it ended up being something that we did uh before every every single game and i think by the end of it we got pretty good at it but uh man we still definitely could work on some of that hip-hop for sure but it was awesome exactly yeah it was it was really cool to see and uh like the the choreography and the kind (laughs) of sync sync the syncing of it looked looked very good looked like you guys had done it uh, more than a couple times there so going back to the Olympics, do you have any any kind of fun stories that you can share from that? I mean, you guys were in quarantine for two weeks prior to that. Anything happened in there that was kind of funny? Uh, I would say the hip hop class was definitely a highlight yeah. of the two week quarantine. Uh, there was a lot of nerves, a lot of scary situations. Mm-hmm. We were testing every single day and just like oh, waiting yeah. by the test to see uh our results so it was quite the quite the scary time but i think uh our team our leadership group our our coaching staff did a really good job of finding ways to still connect us and uh we had different calls with different people on zoom and had a couple drinks on the on the the zoom time delivered to our hotel room doors the odd night and so it was uh honestly it was the best of of a tough situation and then Mm -hmm. once we got to uh once we got to beijing i think a little bit of the nerves were taken, but we still had to test every single day. And, and you wanted to be a part of that. You didn't, you wanted to be at the rink every day and not be stuck in, stuck in your uh, Olympic Olympic room. So uh, I think there was always that piece in the back of your head saying like, I got to do whatever I can to, to stay away from this, to stay healthy, to, to test negative. So uh, it definitely took a little bit away from it, but to be honest, uh, I thought it was still amazing being a part of the Olympic village and it's like the COVID Olympics. So, so nobody's ever going to forget that one, you know? And I think that's how we were all, all saying it, it was like one, uh, one for the memory books. And uh, obviously we still made the best of it. We had so much fun after we had one, I think uh, 
it was kind of a little, it was a, obviously an amazing celebration, but then the next three days we were able to experience some of the other events and going to watch the other athletes. Yeah. And, uh, once that was that, like our event was done and we were celebrating and everything was, it's a lot easier to now like relax and, and enjoy and go and see these sports versus being so scared about testing positive the next day. So, uh, it was, it was quite the amazing experience. And I think the, they did an amazing job of still making it an experience and still making it feel like the Olympics, even though our parents and family and friends couldn't be there. They were on the screens after the games when you came out and they were putting big smiles on all of our faces and, our team was, um, we got videos from different families uh, through, throughout the tournament too, which just made people light up. So uh, I think in general, it was uh, obviously a really tough situation and a tough year, but uh, so worth it. And also when you experience that that nerve and that chaos and that it just makes the memories that much more, mm-hmm. I don't know, sustainable or going to be there forever because it's something you're never truly going to forget. Exactly. Yeah. What was it like playing with a uh, an N95 in, in one of the games? The sh- were the shifts a little bit shorter in that one? Oh yeah, it was so hard to breathe, and they were oh. soaked by the end of it. We were changing all the time because they were just drenched in sweat, and uh, it it was some. It, again, it was another story that's just like you're never ever gonna forget playing in an N95 mask for three periods against Russia, and uh, it, we let we. It was quite the game. It was delayed. It was pushed back. It was. And we honestly were just doing our dance in the room. We were having the time of our lives. And I think that was one of our slogans going around at the time. Like, this is the time of our lives. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's COVID. Yes, it's we're wearing masks. Yes, there's all these things that are not ideal at an Olympics. But at the end of the day, like, we're living the time of our lives. We're, we're, we have a dream that's, that's come true. We're here. So let's make the best of it and let's enjoy it. And any bump that was thrown our way that year as a team, we just literally steamrolled it right over and, and had fun with it. And I think that was uh, one of the biggest difference makers between winning gold and, and not. Yeah. And also you guys had a game. It was, I think it started right after the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. Um, okay. I hit it with the, it was kind of like a gambling degeneracy here. I'm not a big gambler at all, but going from the Super Bowl, I had a couple dollars left over and hitting the over. Uh, I think it was between Canada and Switzerland where you guys scored a ridiculous okay. amount of goals. Really, really did hit a high there. So I really got <laughs> hats off, hats off to you guys for that one. That one, that one felt awesome. And then the gold as well. So I had a, I had a great tournament chasing those highs. <laughs> um anyways yeah uh, i wanted to get a little bit into the pwhl what are you looking forward to most about the inaugural season that we got coming up yeah i can't wait i think uh we've been talking about this for so long we've been sitting out for four years uh we've been dreaming about it since we were little kids obviously we never even thought it was possible that we would be playing professional women's hockey i think a lot of us had kids of had dreams about playing on the olympic team or maybe playing in the NHL for some of us, but we never really thought it would be possible that we would be playing professional women's hockey. And, and I think to be here now to see this happen, uh, I think it's pretty special to be a part of the inaugural first ever PWHL league. And obviously I played in the CWHL. Obviously I've been a part of the PWHPA and I've seen all the different leagues and things that have happened in women's hockey and they're all amazing. And we owe a lot to all those trailblazers who have kind of pushed us to where we are today. Uh, but to be at that next crossroads, to be at that next step of something truly special, something that's going to push uh, women's hockey even further along is is pretty cool to see. And 
Uh, I don't know what I'm most excited about. I'm just excited about it actually happening, it coming to life, <laughs> us getting to put on jerseys of of new teams and having six amazing teams that are going to compete and and be excited and uh, the competition's going to be amazing uh, because now we're having all of the best players in the world in one league playing against each other on a on a regular basis. So I'm really excited about to see that and then I think also just to see all the kids showing up to the games and and now having the chance to dream to play professional hockey. I think like I said we didn't really have that dream because we never saw it. I only saw women's hockey on TV at the Olympics every four years. And so that's what I dreamed about. That's what I wanted to be a part of. But to have the chance to be a little girl growing up just outside of Toronto or just outside of Montreal or in the in these big cities now or li- wherever they are, to be able to come and watch in person professional women's hockey uh, is truly special. And I think uh, one of the biggest reasons and the biggest things that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Well said. It's going to you know, set up the next generations and excite the next generations and really build up uh, women's hockey. And I, I can't wait for the the product that we're going to see here. Uh, the Olympics are always really fun. And I can't wait for the best players in the world to be playing in a, a season there. So my next question regarding PWHL Montreal, uh, is there a teammate that you have on your team right now that you're glad you're not playing against this season? You know, someone that you've played with in the past? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, one of them would definitely be Anne Renee, just, just because she's one of the best goalies in the world. And so to have mm-hmm. that on your team versus constantly shooting against her and, uh, trying to find a way to go in, I think that's a pretty good feeling to have as, as being a part of a new team. Uh, I would say I've played, played against Kristen O'Neill with her and against her quite a bit. Uh, and she's not an easy player to play against. So I'm pretty lucky to have her on, on our team, obviously, everybody, I think, uh, Pooh is the best player in the world. Uh, and so to have her on, on the, the team, I think uh, there, she's definitely somebody that nobody really wants to play against. Uh, <laughs> just That's just the way it works. And I, I'm glad that we get to have her on the Canadian team, but also on Montreal as well. Uh, that's what you asked, right? Play with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the yeah, next yeah. question was playing against someone that you've yeah. played with in the past yeah. and that now... You're not too excited to be playing against. Yeah, I would say, obviously, uh, I've last year with the national team and with my PWHBA team, I got to play with Joss and Renata, uh, <laughs> two great defensemen. And so uh, to see them together in Toronto is uh, definitely something I'm not that excited to go up against. Uh, obviously, just constantly going up against those two defenders is is a tall task. They're, they're both quite the skilled defensemen, uh, hard to play against, gritty, uh, competitive and so uh you always know uh, it's going to be a battle that they're going against those two so uh, i would definitely have to say i'm i'm not that excited that we're we're not on the team uh, the same yeah. team this year exactly and then natalie spooner in the fourth round to toronto that was uh that's a steal for that team right there i got to tell you that one <laughs> yeah um i think that covers everything from my questions here, Laura, I can't thank you enough for hopping on here. Really excited to be uh, for the coming year. Do you have anything that you want to plug? I know you have um, your LS7 tournament in the summer. Yeah, I do. I have a charity road hockey tournament every summer. I'm, I don't have the date of it yet for next year, but it does happen every summer. So if you check out my social media, it'll definitely be posted in the next little bit of what month and what date, hopefully next summer it'll be. But uh, yeah, it's all about getting kids uh, outside, active, in their communities, playing sports, 
uh, obviously I was really fortunate to be able to play whatever sport I wanted when I was a young kid and obviously found my passion and my dream in hockey. And so if we can give one kid uh, that same opportunity uh, to dream about something, to uh, be active, to get outside and, and find something they love, I think that's a success. And that's what we've been trying to do for the past four or five years. So uh, it's definitely something I'm really proud of and and, and really want to keep uh, pushing forward and growing. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and thanks for having me. I think uh, it's it's awesome to see uh, podcasts and people and media yeah. growing women's hockey, supporting women's hockey. Uh, a lot of people say they do, but actually reaching out and actually showing up to the games and being a part of it is, is what makes a big difference. So uh, thanks for doing this. Of course, of course. And your socials are at Laura Stacy seven. Uh, check it out there. Um, you have all the details there. I, I know that the video recap that you did this year it looked <laughs> exceptional just so yeah, so awesome. so well done yeah. yeah and i have some great uh videographers photographers that make it it look amazing obviously i do i do think it is amazing in person too but uh, i've been really lucky to have the volunteers and the support and, and the team behind the team so it's been uh, quite the ride doing that it's uh something i never thought that would be where it is today but it's definitely something i'm really really excited and proud of so awesome yeah it's it's you built it up into such an amazing thing. Anyways, thank you, Laura, so much for, for coming on. It's been a pleasure and can't wait to to see you at the Rivalry Series and then the start of the PWHL inaugural season. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.